Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? Oh, great. I am so glad it's Friday. (laughs) (laughs) But it'll be Monday when we're dropping. That's right. (laughs) So happy Monday to to everyone. Um, Before we dive in, I wanted to do another land acknowledgement. So we're going to start out this podcast with that as well. We recognize the unique and enduring relationship that exists between indigenous people and their traditional territories. We acknowledge that we are on the historic homeland of the Coast Salish, Muckleshoot, and Puyallup Nation. Let this acknowledgement serve as a reminder of our ongoing efforts to recognize, honor, reconcile, and partner with these people whose lands and water we benefit from today. So just wanting to, to acknowledge where we're recording and the land that we're on. I think it's so important, you know, and, and I, it, it felt really good doing that last time. So, you know, and it's so true, you know, we do sit on land that belongs to others, right? And we should be grateful for what they, the path that they've set for us, which is wonderful. So thanks. Yeah. So I'm happy to report to our listeners that our numbers of listeners are way up. Isn't that amazing? It is. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I, people are just listening, right? <laughs> I know that I've been going in to see if people are listening. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely have more listeners. And because you and I have been listening to this last <laughs> podcast, I think a hundred times. <laughs> so um, I am not kidding. We have um, just loved this podcast. And every time we go back and listen, we dig up even more amazing gems and insights from it. So if our, uh, any of our listeners out there who haven't listened to last week's podcast with Will Paisley, then you are missing out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an episode that you'll not want to miss. Um, and please take the time to go back and, and listen to it. Will um, is a young indigenous two-spirit leader who recently graduated from Stanford with his master's. And he talked with us about some of the challenges confronting marginalized individuals in today's professional work. He also shared his ideas and advice for leaders of marginalized individuals and teams around giving grace and engaging and recognizing the richness they bring to our organizations. And so there's so many gems that we could have actually dug into today on this podcast, um, especially the idea of survivance. And if you're curious about that, if you go to the show notes, from um, our last pod- podcast with Will, there's a link there uh, the, to the book around survivance. Um, but we decided that for today, uh, because we have a limited amount of time, we were going to dig into one particular topic. And it um, has to do with um, our question that we asked him, which was around um, 
What should leaders think about and do differently with young marginalized individuals to fully engage their voices as vital contributors towards success in organizations and a sustainable world? And Will said, giving the opportunity to individuals of these marginalized groups to be involved in different spaces, give pathways for development, hiring practices, and also just coming from a place of empathy and understanding that as a leader, as you're trying to bring more people into the fold that don't look like you and aren't like you, and here's the really important piece, that you don't know everything. You need to take the time and give yourself grace and give those people who you are following you grace to understand you are going to make mistakes along the way. It might not be pretty and it could be pretty messy. So it's really important for us as leaders to recognize that we don't always know the answer. So knowing that leadership begins by looking inward and being self-aware Today, we're going to explore what does it look like to actually not know the answer and to admit that we don't know everything, to give ourselves grace and those who follow us grace, and to know that we're going to make some mistakes. So what does that take? Courageous leadership, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today, courageous leadership. And then, of course, when we think about courageous leadership, there's no courage without vulnerability. And, Absolutely. And we really think about the work that Brene Brown has brought to us with Dare to Lead and all of her other books that she has written. And so we're going to be touching on some of those topics. We also have some other resources that we're going to share with you about how to show up authentically and be a courageous leader. So here we go. So our first, our first um, just getting right down to it, we wanted to talk about vulnerability and how Brene Brown actually defines that is the emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Mm. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny because it's not funny, but it's it's interesting that, you know, people who are our folks, every we say we think everybody leads, we say that. And people who are in formal leadership roles had to get there somehow. And very often they were worker bees before they became leader bees, right? And when that happened, they they were probably a lot more open to being vulnerable back when, way back when. But once you become a leader, all of a sudden it's like, I can't show my my hand. I need to I need to lead. I need to be the strong one. I need to and what what often people don't understand is when they start putting on that armor, if you will, if you want to talk about Brene, you know, putting on that armor to keep yourself in a leadership role, um, very often it dis- distances you from the people, the very people that you work with. Um, there's a heart connection that needs to take place, and vulnerability is where that heart connection takes place, right? So... You know, being able to say I was wrong or I don't know is is a really great place for a leader to be sometimes. It, it enables others to step up, which is an awesome leadership trait. Yeah, and I think that really goes into this next point around courage is contagious. Mm-hmm. So it, this can be kind of a tough piece. I know we like to ask our our people to show up and be courageous, but we've got to go first. 
we've got to be the one who actually shows the way. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be okay with making a mistake. And then when we do, apologizing for it, making amends. And by doing that, by stepping out and taking some risk, that allows other people to do that behind us as well. And we also know that what's contagious is if we're not doing that. So if people see that we're pushing things under the rug or we're not taking accountability when we do make a mistake and we're blaming other people, that's uh, what we that's the culture that we actually um, support and and begin to create. And we know that's not where we want to go. You know, I, I so agree with that. And I think, you know, when I'm thinking about leaders and the actions that we take, um, we're setting examples, but we are we are the point of reference. And people will look to a point of reference to make decisions on. And so if they have good, strong leadership, vulnerable leadership, um, authentic leadership, all of those different traits, if they have that, then that's their point of reference and it's easier for them to fall in line and do that themselves. And that really sets the tone for a real healthy organization and culture down the line. On the other hand, you know, when leaders are and we know that point of reference being what it is, leaders had to have a point of reference too. So if the, the original point of reference is not healthy or is not um, effective or is not at all vulnerable, then it's going to be um, it's going to it's going to result in some reluctance to be that way because you don't know what will happen, right? It's like I don't know if, if I'm vulnerable, what's going to happen? I'm going to internally combust but <laughs> probably not you know it's just it's a it's an uncomfortable place to be if you don't have any point of reference yeah absolutely we we learn from those around us right mm -hmm. so sometimes it means we're, we've got to be willing to do something different even though this is what what's been our um those have been our mentors that has been our frame of reference we've got to we've got to make a choice and do something different you know, I think about um, going back to that, what people do when they see that something's not working. You know, they they can try, and very often they're very successful, but it's painful to have to break that mold, you know, and do something differently. So if you're, if you're a leader and you haven't had a real healthy point of reference and you want to be the leader that you always wanted to have, then... You have to take those steps. It's it's bravery is what it is. It's taking a risk and being brave to to do something differently. And and I think people that do that, those are the leaders. Those are the people that really step out and say, you know what, we'll, we'll never know unless we try, right? Yeah, and that's so important because at least a lot of my work, and I know um, you know since you and I have worked together, <laughs> we have some of the same stories and references. We hear so many people who say oh, but my leader's not doing that, right? right? When we're doing our leadership development work. And so why should I have to do it if if my leader's not doing it? And wanting to sort of complain about the people above them, it has to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that really gets to that piece about lead from where you are. So sometimes that's a formal role that's in the middle of an organization. Sometimes that's an individual contributor. But you still can show up as a leader and make a difference every day. I think that is such a, a brilliant statement, actually, when I think about and in our leadership development, we've actually experienced times when people have said that they didn't have a strong leader or that that's not what, you know, good leadership or sound leadership is not something they've experienced in their own world. And 
I can recall more than a few times when the conversation has really got, gotten down to what's wrong with leading up, mm. you know, because if a leader above you doesn't have a point of reference and so they don't know what good looks like, there's nothing that says you can't lead up well. Yep, absolutely. You know? Yeah, for sure. And then I think the other thing is it is hard to lead alone. It, it yes. is hard, right? And we know leadership is hard work, but even more when you're an only. Mm-hmm. And so building those relationships and building the networks and getting engaged and uh, even if you're trying to make that change from the middle or from the bottom, it's, it is true. You have to know when it's right, when you can actually make a difference and pulling those people in and having those conversations so that you aren't an only, so that you are doing this as a group. And then that's how the courage is contagious when you can get a few, got to get it moving first, right? You know, in the best sense of the term, you know, that's, that's strength in numbers, right? It's where you're, you're building a network of followers, but you're building a network of supporters and people who you can look up to. And, and that's the strength that often I think leaders get busy, you know, they get really busy and they get so focused or they're their workload is just outrageously crazy, right? And building a network sometimes takes the back burner, but that's so important. And that's almost the front front burner item that you want to do before you do your work. You want to make sure you've got that support because if you have a question or you don't know something or you want to bat something around or, you know, throw it up against a wall, there are people that are there who do the same thing every single day. And you know, it's, it's a really great place to be when you're trying to be a leader. You get to see how others lead, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the other thing sort of related to that is really thinking about how do you show up as an authentic leader? Mm. And that's part of that courage piece, right? Like to be a courageous leader, we want you to show up also as an authentic leader. So why is that important, do you think, Tricia, about showing up as an authentic leader? I think authentic leadership is really um, values-driven. You know, it's, it's something that it's, it's in you. It's your, it's your central core. It's how you, how you run yourself or how you conduct yourself. And when you are running against your values or you're doing things that are not in alignment with business values or your own, it shows up. People see that and they can see that, you know, there's, there's always a, there's no flow in the work the way there should be. I know that sounds not using a real technical term here, but it's true. You know, when you're, when you're working against your values, it shows up because you are not comfortable. You may not say it, but you're not comfortable. I know when I've done things that were against my values, I could feel it in my, you know, my gut feeling or whatever you want to call it. And, um, it wasn't until I realigned that I realized that I'm more comfortable. I can breathe again. I'm, you know, I'm doing things and I'm not fighting the the current. And that's sort of what it's like when you're not authentic. And I don't know why people get to the point where they feel like they don't want to be authentic. I don't think it's a want. I think it's they, they fall into more of a trap of it. You know, maybe it's the work or it's the trying to be something they're not, you know. Yeah, we see, I think, you know, where I really see a lot of that showing up is when people are trying to fit in, Mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to lead in a way that they've seen get rewarded in the organization. 
And so as leaders, you know, we're calling out here to you, our listeners, as leaders, we need to really think about how are we creating those spaces mm-hmm. for people to show up authentically so that they can be the, the leader that they need to be. It doesn't necessarily look like some textbook version of what leadership should be and a textbook version from way past, because mm-hmm. I would say now where I think the, all of the information that's coming out and the people that are writing articles and when you go and um, you know look at Forbes or HBR, there's much better models of leadership that are out there now. So I'd say if you're current, then you there's a better model for mm-hmm. leadership and being authentic. Right. And, you know, I think that this is sort of front of mind right now because we've got – you know, the great resignation going on, and and it still is going on to an extent. And it's not that, um, I'm not trying to focus on the people who are leaving and for the reason, for whatever reason. What I'm, what I want to bring up or what I want to talk about is the, the idea that leaders are now looking at what have we been doing that hasn't been effective? What do we need to do differently? And it's that learning that, you know, through exit interviews or whatever, that people didn't feel that the values were being, you know, taken seriously or that they were valued, which is a part of the values most often, right? Absolutely. That, um, that leaders are now sitting back and realizing that they may have just not ignored, but kind of missed that along the way when they got busy, when the world got, you know, crazy or when, you know, people started demanding whatever the product was that they're selling. And, you know, the next thing you know is you're just, you get into that hamster wheel and you're going and going and going. And you forget that those very things that get people to um, be inspired and follow you and, and, you know, and want to work with you, um, they're kind of not even being considered. And it's hard to get back to sometimes. Yeah, 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 for sure. So we want to think about kind of pulling us back to a couple of podcasts ago, but when we had Andrea Lucky, that that concept of, and we even talked about it with Will, mm-hmm. concept of culture ad versus culture fit. How are we as leaders creating environments for people to be a culture ad versus a culture fit? Mm-hmm. How are we creating environments of belonging? So coming back a little bit to this, how to, how to be a more authentic leader, there's a, a great model, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And this comes from the Center for Creative Leadership. And they have a model around authentic leadership. And the first step is to rethink your leadership image. And if you're saying to yourself, leadership image, (laughs) what's that? I don't even, I don't know what that is. Then it's time to look up the model. (laughs) It's like, this is where where we start, right? And we've said this so many times, leadership begins inside Mm -hmm. in us. And so we have to be self-aware. We have to know. What is the leadership image that we are portraying and and be intentional about that? Mm-hmm. It's so important. And I think it's that whole self-awareness thing. I think often it's not that leaders don't want to be great leaders. And I, I know we all do. You know, we have great, great intentions. Um, but, you know, the, the busier we get or depending on how we feel about where we work, often we stop being self-aware and there are people who clearly have never been self-aware and we know a few of them in the world but I'd say that's definitely a minority you know most people have been in touch with themselves at some point and and just re you know 
reacquainting themselves with who they really are, what's important to them, what what matters, and who do they want to who do they want to be to other people? You know, how do they want to show up? Those are things that, you know, it's it takes a hard look in the mirror sometimes. Yeah, and I think you know, really playing to our strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, we we both would agree with this. I think that we want to focus on how do we how do we really leverage those strengths that we have? How do we, one, know them? And then how do we kind of create them and weave them into a brand so that other people know us for that as well and really play to that? So that's good for us. It's good for our teams because we want to bring that. And it's good for our organizations because overall we're going to be more effective if we can play to our strengths. At least uh, from we know from Marcus Buckingham's research Mm. around um, love and work, if we can get, we can play to those strengths at least 20% of our time, which isn't a lot, but at least 20% of our time, organizations will be better because of it. You know, it, when you said that 20%, it made me think about uh, years past when I took priority management classes, you know, like uh, time management type things, you know, and, and they would say, you only need to spend 10% of your day doing your, you know, your calendar and getting everything lined up and making sure that you've got everything. And, and everybody just, you know, shoulders went down. Everybody went, oh, I can't believe we're going to have to spend 10% of our day doing this. But when you think about an eight-hour day, 10% is not a whole lot of time. And um, the people that actually practiced that and got in the habit of doing that all the time were organized. And they had their acts together and they had more time for their people. Mm. And we don't do that anymore. We very rarely do that because everything's online now. And we instantly react to everything that comes up on the screen. So it could be a phone call coming in on your screen. It could be an email that you just were waiting for or whatever, but, or a chat, you know, and, or a text message. And, and there is no priority management because everything becomes a priority. So the part that I want to get to that we need to, prioritizes that, you know, being an authentic leader, you know, being vulnerable and, and really trying to get back to reconnecting heart, heart to heart with the people that work with them. Yeah, absolutely. The second thing, um, after really being considerate and intentional about what we want as a leadership image is to increase our self-awareness around how we are actually perceived by Mm -hmm. others. And, you know, that doesn't happen without getting some feedback. And with feedback, we always recognize that that's someone's perception of how we're we're showing up. So we can take that with that recognition and not necessarily saying it's truth, but it certainly is good information. And uh, one of the ways that Trisha and I work with people around that when we do coaching is leadership 360s. And we're mm-hmm. certified in a number of tools on that. A lot of, you know, a lot of good tools out there. And it's a, it, again, it's back to that courageous leadership, the vulnerability that you're willing to ask, but also you're willing to really understand and dive deep and say, what is this telling me and where could I make some changes? You know, I, I love that. And I think about when a leader gives feedback to an employee, if, if they took a few minutes before they give the feedback to put themselves in the employee's shoes of how it feels to get feedback. It might shift the the language a little bit or it might shift the tone to where it is um, a bit more empathetic. And 
you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes for a moment. But taking a 360 as a leader is tough. It's hard because you're getting information, you're getting feedback from a lot of people, not just one, but a lot of people. And so unless you're ready to like hear the message, sometimes that might feel like it's kind of hard to take. And it's not always bad. But we all think, you know, we all either think, oh, I'm going to be terrible, everybody's going to hate me, or I'm great, I'm golden, I'm, you know, <laughs> everybody's going to think I do a well, good job. I've never heard anything saying I didn't. And it's not that people don't think other people are doing a good job when they give feedback. They're giving you a gift. You know, they're Absolutely. actually offering, they're offering information because you asked. And that in itself is a gift. It's like they wouldn't give it to you unless they wanted to help you be your best you, right? So, yeah, absolutely. The third one is to assess your values, likes, and dislikes. Uh, we've talked a little bit about that. The fourth step is to take action, but get support. Mm -hmm. I, I love the fact that they said, but get support. So we're going to, we're going to do all this work and we want to do something with it, right? <laughs> so we've done the self-reflection. We've um, really assessed our values. We've looked at what we like, what we dislike. And then let's take a look at where the gaps are here in the middle of this story and then take some action. Mm -hmm. And getting support can be can look like a lot of different things. But the point is to actually to to pull people along on the journey with you so that you don't feel like you're standing out there by yourself. And that is also very engaging, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, bringing other people in and, and it it's vulnerable, but it is also a heart connection. It is getting that support you need so badly, but it's also engaging for other people because they're getting to do something that means something to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, in that step too, let's always remember we need some of those people that are cheerleaders for us. Mm -hmm. That can make a huge difference. And I was thinking about that in my life just recently, how it's so easy for all of us to reflect on the things that we need to develop and what areas we need to get better. And even when we say, yeah, these are our strengths, but sometimes we need that little boost of confidence that we're actually moving in that right direction. And so having those cheerleaders in your life can really help move you forward. Yeah, and know that that's authentic. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely. the thing. It's not, yeah. it's not just rah, rah, you yeah. could, you know, you go crystal, you're going to be, <laughs> you know, it's not that at all. It is authentic. You yeah. know, when people are your, your best cheerleaders are your probably most authentic people sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. We're not talking about people that are just saying yes around you, mm -hmm. but people that can, can honestly give you positive feedback and that you value their feedback. Right. And the last step is work on an effective communication, being an effective communicator, so obviously we know communication is so important and especially important for leaders. So we, we want to be able to tell our stories. That's, again, part of that vulnerability. They're not always going to be about our successes. But how have we learned to be the person that we are today through probably some tough times? You know, so we've had successes. We've had failures. How have we risen from that? There have been so many books coming out and over the years probably, but more recently, um, about how to tell your story. And I would recommend any of them to people who have not gotten comfortable with telling their story yet because um, it's such an important piece. You know, when that's what 
when when executives are looking for an emerging leader or someone who has promise, often it's that person who can tell their story and can take it from, you know, here's where I took a, a dive in my career, but I learned through that. And what I learned was, and how I did, you yeah, know, absolutely. how I emerged from that and the resilience that I feel now yeah. is, you know, I mean, it's, it is a, um, it's a wonderful, not just a gift, it's a wonderful skill, and it is something that can be learned. But um, I remember when I did values training many years ago, our executives had to learn how to tell stories so that they could connect with each of our values. And I recommend that for anybody who is trying to um, espouse values to their organization to really be able to attach yourself to each one of the values, find something in that value that you, you experienced in life, and what what happened when you went away from that value, what it felt like, what you did differently, or, and what you had to do to get back. Those are great stories, and those are the stories that make you seem vulnerable to you, yourself, but um, are that heart connection again. It's, it's yeah. also very engaging for other people to know that they're not alone. Yeah, and I think also that, you know, the, there, we could go on and on about stories, <laughs> but the power of stories also is that people hear your message and remember it because that's the way the brain is wired, right? They're wi wired to remember the story. So that's, so so that's true. yeah, another re really important reason. Mm -hmm. um, the other one they, they brought up here in communication is mastering your message. I love that one because oftentimes we don't take the time to really get clear about these things. And sometimes it can feel repetitive. It's like my message. Yeah. Your message, like, what it kind of gets back to that, what you're known for. It's mm -hmm. like people can count on you for this. And so really getting clear about your vision, your ideas, your values, what is it that you stand for? And then look for opportunities in every situation to just punch that a little bit. And then pretty soon that helps really create sort of your leadership brand. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. All right. So it's there's your value there's, proposition, folks. Yeah. 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 There's more here. We're not going to go into all the details. So again, we'll have a link in the show notes. We wanted to go a little bit further here on a couple of other ideas bef before we get to the end of this podcast. And one of them is we're going to touch back to the Brene Brown work for a minute here. And this one statement has been life-changing for so many of my clients. I can't tell you how many people have just embraced this and it, it can impact just so many different areas of their life. But it's this really simple statement that's clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And I think we oftentimes, those of us who like to be kind, caring, friendly people, we think, well, as long as everybody likes us, then then that's what we're that's what we're kind of headed for. But what what's really important is that that clarity around what our expectations are for others, and what our expectations are for ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is that boundary setting, and that is so important. It really is, and you know, it's Brene Brown said it so beautifully and so simply. You know, and I think that's often where the best messages are in the simple messages. You know, so clear is kind. It's also, you know, 
simple is is a good way to do that. You know, if we if we cloud things up or we make them too complicated, then we lose people. And it doesn't matter how good our stories are, they're going to get hung up in something that they didn't understand, right? So, yeah. you know, being clear about how you feel about something or how what you'd like to see or what you stand for and and what you want, you know, is so much better for other people. And they know where they stand, you know. Yeah. I'd rather know where I stand. Yeah. Yep. And this is uh, especially related to, I mean, a lot of things, barriers, like we were talking about, or boundaries. Um, But also in regards to feedback. So when we have employees, we have staff that we need to give feedback to, both positive and uh, developmental, that clear is kind is really important so letting somebody sort of continue to make mistakes that they aren't maybe even aware of, but they're stepping all over their customers or um, they're um, submitting work that isn't correct and we think, oh, well, we don't want to upset them. That's that's not really, doesn't allow them to grow and get better. And so being clear about our feedback is really important. Yeah, and not to sound preachy about that, but... I think it's really important that if if you are going to be clear, and you should be clear with feedback and specific. I mean, be a, make it smart feedback if you can, but um, you know, doing it in a timely manner, doing it one on one, not in a group of people, not in front of other people, but being specific enough that someone knows what you don't want to see again or what you do want to see again. If you're giving positive feedback about something you like. Be specific about what that is so that people know what to continue to do. If it's something you did not like or something that didn't land well for you, be specific about it so that people understand what it was that didn't land well. Otherwise, they will be wondering and they will, they'll, they'll probably mess it up over and over again. And the earlier you, they get that, the sooner they can change it. So I'm, I'm real big on that because I know when... I think about performance appraisal time at the end of the year, and I hear that there are people who have not had any touch points during the year, and I think, why? Especially if they didn't get an outstanding, why? Because they... They, there was all that time in the year when they could have changed something, you know, and it's feedback. It's giving feedback in the moment. Yeah. And what we know is that leader effectiveness increases the more feedback that you give Mm -hmm. and the more feedback that you seek. So um, we came across this study that we wanted to share a little statistics, a few statistics with you. This is from um, M. Tamara Chandler's book, Feedback and Other Dirty Words. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great book on feedback. Mm -hmm. So we'll put a link there um, in the show notes as well. But in a study of more than 50,000 leaders, Joe Folkman and Jack Zinger found that leaders who ranked in the top 10% for asking for feedback also ranked at the top 86th percentile for overall leadership effectiveness. And then when we think about that, it makes sense, right? So feedback gives us insight that we wouldn't have if we hadn't reached out for that feedback. If we take action on those insights, that allows us to grow and that leads to better leader effectiveness. So those people that are out there seeking feedback, who take action on that feedback, 
they're better leaders. It makes it makes mm-hmm. sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it, that goes right back to something we've talked about in a previous podcast, and it has to be curious. You know, going in with yeah. a with a, a mindset of being curious because you know that will keep you from going down that that dark and dingy road, you know, where you start thinking bad things about yourself. You don't want to do that. But if you stay curious, it's like, wow, you know, I didn't realize that. And it it can give you a whole different attitude as you're going into how are we going to change this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe taking one more leap there that we're saying it takes courage to ask for feedback. So if you're courageous, you're going to be a more effective leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So just a couple things here around how to go about seeking feedback, because one of the things that we want to do in these follow-up sessions, these gem sessions, is give you some real practical things that you can do to implement some of this really wonderful stuff that we learn from our guests. So just a couple of things, um, keys for success when seeking feedback is to build a relationship before you mm. before you seek the feedback, right? <laughs> There's nothing stranger than when somebody is asking, and I've seen this happen so many times with leader, leader 360s, is people are like, I want to ask this person. Well, the reality is, even though they're kind of a cool person and they might, for some reason, be seem like they can give you feedback, if you don't have any relationship with them, if they don't know you well, one, they're not going to really have you haven't built the trust for them to give you feedback but they also don't have really anything helpful to say and that goes right back to you know when you are seeking feedback from someone who you you may have had an interaction with in the past you know if you don't keep the relationship going that's building that network and keeping it going right um keeping the network alive is what's going to get you the kind of feedback that you can actually do something with yeah yeah Mm -hmm. And if you want to actually kind of pull their heart into actually giving you that, taking their time, people are so busy to actually give you that good feedback, provide the context. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, I'm seeking this leadership feedback because I'm trying to improve this or I'm in a leadership class. And so I'm looking for 360 feedback or I've engaged a coach. And so we're looking for feedback so I can be a more effective leader, whatever, but some sort of context. So it doesn't just come to them out of the blue. And they think, why would I take the time to actually give you feedback? And, and because what's in it for me? Yeah. That's very clear of you. Um, and then using techniques that help them feel prepared. So talking about the focused requests, kind of like what we were just saying there, mm-hmm. based on what you're noticing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for receiving feedback, we've kind of talked about this a little bit already too. Make sure that you reflect on what you heard, right? We want to soak it in, ponder it a little bit, process it. Make sure you thank people for giving you that feedback. Even if it is an electronic 360, send that email to everybody. You won't know exactly who gave you feedback. Send it out to everybody. Thank them and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do differently as a result of it. Um, That honors the time that they spent giving you that feedback. Um, Make sure you're communicating what you're going to do different. It doesn't have to be everything. We know some of this is going to be private. But what are one or two things that they could actually see and notice as a difference that you're making? And then check in. Check in and see how, how is this landing with them? How have you changed? Are you making progress? Is it making a difference for them? 
I think that that's another way to get garner support, you know, is as you're, you're trying, you're taking in the feedback and you're trying to make change. Um, how am I doing, you know, or I'm going to be making mistakes along the way. And I just want to give you a fair warning, you know, I will be doing that, but I will be also, you know, reaching back to see if you're noticing how I'm doing. And I hope that you'll be open to continuing to give me feedback. I mean, that actually is very, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway, endearing, you know, mm. for, for people who work together. Yeah. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good accountability, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you put it out there, you say, oh, I'm going to do this, then uh, and help <laughs> you stay ac- yeah, accountable. <laughs> They're going to do it. They're going to help you with that. Yeah. And then the last thing we wanted to talk a little bit about, sort of circling back to how we started this, which is digging into Will's quote about when we're bringing on people and he said, bringing them into the fold. I love that. We're Mm -hmm. bringing people into the fold who are different than we are. You have to be willing to recognize that you don't know everything and then you're going to make mistakes. Part of that is building as a leader, building our empathy muscle. And that doesn't mean that we can go in there and fix it right? That's what empathy is all about is walking beside somebody, mm-hmm. recognizing that our experiences are different, but we can have similar feelings, even though our experiences are different. And, and we can just be with people and their experiences. And I think that can be really powerful to show up as an empathetic leader. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that Hopefully we all have times in our world where we are able to express empathy. And we're not talking about owning somebody else's issue. You know, we don't want that to happen because you can't. There's no way you can put yourself in a person's place and say, I know exactly what you're experiencing. And to say that is sometimes not empathetic. You know, it's like, I know exactly what you're going through. Well, unless you've been in their shoes and you've actually gone through the exact same moment with them, it's going to be very difficult for you to, for any of us to know what that person's really going through. But empathy is really being able to, to your point, walk beside somebody and, and, you know, kind of enter into their, their moment with them just as a support without owning it, without taking ownership of any of it. And that's really important because that's that boundary we were talking about too. Yeah, to let people have and experience their own emotions mm-hmm. around a particular situation and and that not fixing it. I think that's so important when we're talking about people who are having different experiences than we are and who have grown up in different experiences. We can't know. We can't know and we can't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. And so engaging them in in the the, the fixing, I guess, first letting them have their experience. But then when we want to move to actually helping um, solve problems at work together, it's the together piece, it's the partnering piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a way to show the empathy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And it goes a long way, you know, with employees, it is that It's everything we've been talking about so far, actually. It's everything kind of rolled into that, you know, but it it is the one thing that people will remember. You know, if when you as a leader, when any leader 
is empathetic to someone who is in need of a safe space or something like that, then that goes so far. You know, you can, you can pretty much, you know, if you, if you continue to walk the path that we've been talking about and, and other, other methods, um, it can get you followers for life. You know, I, I have a leader that I continue to consider one of the best leaders I ever had in my whole career, and I have not worked with him for almost 30 years, but his, his empathy muscle was really strong, and he never owned anybody's issue, yeah. but he certainly was there for everyone. It was pretty cool. So we're, we are leaving you with challenges. So again, these will be on the show notes page of the website. So here's our two challenges inspired, of course, by our episode with, with Will Paisley. First one, what if we each had a mindset that Will shared with us? The seven generation concept, which is derived from the Iroquois nation Everything you do in this day should be for the benefit of the next seven generations. How would this change how you act today? How might this help you be a more courageous leader? The second challenge is we need every voice, every idea, and every heart in order to seize every opportunity to tackle today's complex and challenging problems. What is one action you can take today to be a more authentic leader? What is one thing you can do differently as a leader to fully engage all voices? Mm, I think those are two challenges that are well worth the probably 10% of a person's time over the next week that they'd have <laughs> to spend. It's, it's a journey that's well worth it, though. So... I think this was a fun episode. I mean, to it me, was, it was fun. It was fun. It was great to really revel in courageous leadership. Mm-hmm. And we know how important that is. And we were so inspired by Will's episode. It really gave us some some good things to dive deeper into. It was quite an episode to um, continue to talk about. And I'm really grateful that we took that that step with him. He He was quite inspiring. I really enjoyed it. So let's continue the conversation. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. We have more amazing podcasts coming up. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it with them Um, on your Instagram or tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at at liftingleaderspodcast.com. That's a tongue tire. Um, You'll find us uh, there with our show notes and the links to the podcasts. We want to thank Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. And we'd like you to please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Crystal, great job today. You really did a wonderful job of leading this conversation. Thank you. It was fun. I want to thank everybody for listening. And we also want to um, just offer that 
If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leadership coaching, please contact us um, through our Lifting Leaders website. We'll be happy to help. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a great week. Thank you, Trisha. Bye. Thank you.